0: Hello and welcome to the Messages & Methods Livecast Life 2.0 Livestream Podcast hosted by Encore Entrepreneurs, Shelley Carney and Toby Yunus. We inspire excitement for content creation and marketing your brand and business while answering all your technology and digital marketing questions. Join us as we interview experts who share their knowledge and experience to provide actionable tips to land more clients, nurture leads, and position yourself as an expert in your industry. Chat with Shelly and Toby every Wednesday on YouTube or Facebook.
1: Hello, hello. Welcome to Messages and Methods. I'm your host, Shelly Carney, and that's Toby.
2: I'm Toby Unis. I'm her uh, co-host in this, but I take over this stuff that she doesn't want to do. So I want to talk a little <laughs> bit about <it. laughs> I do the promo There's stuff. There's some
1: other things I don't I'm want the, to do. You I'm want the, to come the, I'm with the me. I'm a
2: sales part of this thing. All right. So uh, let me share a screen with you real quick. So uh, first of all, tomorrow at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. You'll hear uh, 10 a.m. Pacific. Shelly and Jen on their program called Women Conquer Business. Tomorrow's program is Dissolve Information Overload. And by the way, Jen is uh, one of the experts that we've invited on our show, and she's on our show today. I'll introduce her in just a minute. Then at one o'clock, you can see Shelly, and you're going to be on the show, right? Yeah. At one one o'clock. This week I am. Uh, Shelly and I on video tarot and we're going to talk a little bit about this latest shot that we took and has been posted both to my Instagram account and to my uh, Facebook page featuring the color yellow, right? Featuring the color yellow. Shelly did the styling on it and um, And we're going to talk
1: lemonade out of lemons.
2: You know, I couldn't remember the exact statement. I had to look it up. It's it's when life hands you lemons, lemons, make make lemonade. lemonade. So I called the, the photo, When Life Hands You Lemons. Oh, very nice. So uh, we're going to be talking about that. We'll talk about how we set up the shot, the equipment we used, and then we'll show you that equipment on our Amazon page in case you want to enjoy the same, um, get the same pleasure out of shooting these shots uh, that we do. And then last but not least, I do want to remind you that our book, Women in Podcasting, has been published. I have a copy right here. Uh, and I will put while uh, Jen and Shelly start the conversation, I'll put these links in the uh, chat room. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's bring uh, let's bring Jen in here so you guys can start up and say hi. Oh, I don't like that. I don't like this. Oh. one. There we, we are.
1: Go. All right. Hello, and this is Jen McFarland, the founder of Women Conquer Business. We met Jen at the She Podcast conference back in October and Jen and I started working together collaborating on her podcast Women Conquer Business and we do that as a live stream now every Thursday morning and we just shared that, shared that with you but Jen is also a digital marketing expert and she's going to come on our show today and share all about uh, her knowledge when it comes to digital marketing so thank you for being here Jen
3: Absolutely thank you so much for having me
1: Yeah Let's get started by having you tell us about yourself and your business.
3: Sure. I, You know, you interview, inter, introduced me very well. My name is Jen McFarland. I have, am the founder of Women Conquer Business. I have over 25 years of digital marketing experience. Kind of, bef- even some of it, I guess, kind of predates digital marketing in some ways. Working at newspapers, uh, doing graphic design, and then working on larger scale projects. Women Conquer Business primarily helps women entrepreneurs with all of their digital marketing needs. I like to specialize specifically in marketing operations. That means integrations, getting things from start to finish as quick as possible. I've also had a podcast, as you said, for about three years called Women Conquer Business, and I have a new initiative called Epiphany Courses. And what, what we're doing with that is taking some of this knowledge that I've shared speaking and in different settings and sharing it as an online course with people who maybe can't work with me in person. And that is everything that I have going on, at least at the moment.
2: <laughs> it sounds like a busy life. And um I like the idea that you've transitioned through uh, several era from the analog to uh, the digital marketing. But um, what we're trying to focus on is digital marketing as we know it now. So uh, what I wanted to ask was, what did you learn about digital marketing in the last year? what new things did you know
3: what new things oh my gosh so this is something that is so fascinating to me so we have in in this field alone and it's really grown into being e-commerce as well we've experienced over 10 years worth of growth since the pandemic so it actually goes back two years technically and it's because all of these companies kind of dusted dusted off all these projects about going online (laughs) And really started implementing it. And it has been one of the most exciting times in in digital marketing, honestly, that ever <laughs> in the history of it. And so what I've learned most in the last two years is that there is always more to learn because it is shifting and changing rapidly.
2: The Moore's Law effect, where we used to see changes every fourteen months because of the size of uh, uh, processors uh, is really, it's completely different. You have to expect change uh, more often than that. uh, And you have to be malleable enough to adapt to it very quickly.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in, in project management, we would call it structured flexibility. Uh-huh. So it's kind of like you have enough structure that, you know, like what project, what products you're offering, for example, as a business owner, and you have an idea of how you want to deliver it, but you have enough flexibility that you can change and shift quickly. And that's not necessarily something we've seen in the past. And now I think it's just going to continue at this pace, at least for the foreseeable future.
2: Agree, uh-huh. agree. Mm-hmm. Shall Agreed.
1: And how have- did, since you have so much background and all the different uh, mediums of of marketing and digital marketing uh, perhaps you can pull out your crystal ball and answer this question <laughs> how will digital marketing for entrepreneurs and small business owners change in the next 12
3: months so what we're seeing that is really fascinating and provides a lot of opportunities particularly for startups and small business owners is how video has been shifting and continues to shift. We're now seeing a lot more, whether it's on Amazon or Pinterest, with like shoppable posts, uh, web stories, different ways of taking video, making it more than what it's traditionally been on social media, and making it a vehicle to really sell your products. We know that when people are on video, they tend to... People love video, they love to engage, they love to learn more. It's no longer optional. you know for the longest time we would say, oh, you know, you could do video if you want. Now we really need to start focusing on video, and I think that will only continue to grow and shift for uh, small business owners in the next 12 months
2: and you probably know from your clients because we know from our clients the idea that they have to go to video uh that the market is going to require them go to video is a difficult transition kind of leads us into the next question what do you see as the the most significant obstacle uh entrepreneurs are going to face uh in making this kind of transition into 2022's definition of digital marketing
3: sure there are a lot of different things. I think that for many entrepreneurs, it's it comes down to mindset. I hate shifting into things that are like between the ears. But when it comes to video, it seems like that is always the case is people are like, oh, you know, they have a lot of resistance to it because of they're afraid of what they look like on video. They're afraid of so many different things. For some reason, that is a deeper dive into exposing themselves (laughs) to to, to customers than any other means of marketing. Um, And it's very interesting. So I see that as I see a willingness to engage as the biggest obstacle. Um, And then the secondarily, you know, there's always just so much information out there about marketing. So it's kind of that analysis paralysis. We always have to worry about that combined with a resistance to this thing. If you haven't done video before, it's it's something that you're going to have to work on and find ways to practice and understand that it's a process and it'll take time. And that's how you kind of get over, go over get over and overcome it. And I think that you both know that. I think that you both have a lot of tricks up your sleeve <laughs> for how you get people to begin to engage on video.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We want them to be comfortable and it is one of the bigger obstacles. And a lot of our clients are in the older age group, I mean, that's our expectation. And although they think, they believe that uh, entering the world of digital marketing is important to whatever they're trying to accomplish, when you tell them some of the requirements like uh, live streaming and podcasting and blogging on a continual basis, that makes them uncomfortable, especially like you said, uh, the video part. So, Shelly? For sure. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs>
3: no i mean for sure and i and i think that you know what i tell my clients when i'm working with them is let's take a baby step and i also share what i did which is i did a lot of facebook lives to myself like you can set the audience as only you (laughs) and you can practice and you know there are a lot of ways that you can work through that fear and then when people understand i think the possibilities with video and how it can become all of these other things that's how people realize from an efficiency standpoint it's a big loss if you don't do it Mm
2: -hmm. i think that's the biggest sales pitch that if you you can let them you can make them help them to realize that if you do Take this big jump into video. You're not just creating video; you're creating the opportunity for lots of other content that you would not have previously imagined and won't require much additional effort. So that's that's a really good position to be in.
1: And I think it's a good way for um, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, small business owners, people on a smaller scale, to be able to participate in marketing with those bigger companies uh, because we can go live we can talk about ourselves and our products and our services and uh interact with customers whereas the bigger brands you know they're just going to be sending out commercials and and not really talking uh as a face they're going to be just talking as a company or a brand so i think we have an advantage when we do use video as a small um entrepreneur type business uh-huh. absolutely. absolutely
3: and the only obstacle you really have as a small business owner is yourself <laughs> you can do anything with any amount of money you can create you can change on a dime pick a thing and stick with it for a while and see what happens don't shift all the time but don't create obstacles that aren't actually there
2: right and don't expect overnight results no
3: sadly no
1: <laughs>
2: sadly for all of us shall I?
1: uh we are we are working with a lot of digital marketers in a lot of different fields and there are some fundamentals that some people do need to have in place before they can reach out and work with a coach or a consultant so what should a prospective client have in place in their business before you may best help them with digital marketing
3: I'm a little bit different in that I help a lot of brand new businesses and I also help people who are in a position of growth. And I have like two, so there's like kind of two different lanes to work with me as a brand new business. You need to honestly, before you do any marketing, you need to have at least a minimum viable product, some customers. So you kind of know like who we're talking to and some goals, like goals really help me with like so what are what are we trying to do here? And then I can come in and be more effective. Now that said, you don't have to have a website to work with me. You don't have to have anything. I, I do that a lot with my clients that come in through Prosper Portland. Um, I work with the Inclusive Business Resource Network, and we bring in people. And the whole point is to get people started. So I'm perfectly comfortable with people who don't have a lot in place. And then the second group that I work with are people who. Are in a, uh, things aren't working. <laughs> when you work a lot with integrations and trying to grow, there are certain breakpoints that tend to emerge. And I work with people where things aren't working and they don't really know why and they don't know what they need to change. And we just, tend to make a few little tweaks, and it kind of helps them. So those are really the two areas. But even for the people who are in a position of growth, you still have to answer a lot of questions about your business and have a a lot of clarity. Because sometimes what isn't working is that you set something up when you had a whole different set of ideas about what your business is. And then the marketing just doesn't work anymore. So those are the people that I work with. You don't have to have a ton in place, but you do need to have a really solid idea about your business.
2: So this is one of my favorite questions because I love storytelling. Tell us a story about something that you learned from working with a recent client.
3: You know, I think that a story about what I learned. So <laughs> in, in working with my clients, I've started to see a real pattern among people who come in with a, a case of the shoulds. And what that means is they come in and they say, well, I should really have a Facebook group, but I don't. And I'm always like, I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> who told you you have to have a Facebook group? And they come out with like all of the information, all of the friends, all of the people who said that they should have it. And I, and I said, so do you want to have a Facebook group? And this has happened several times and they're like, no. (laughs) And I'm like, well then don't have one. And they're like, but, but you know, and, and I had something similar happen with a different client who, I mean, he's amazing and like has so much, like in-person like vibe where he can just talk to anybody and he felt like he couldn't do that because that's not what the marketing narrative is and I'm like look you're willing to do things that other people aren't and I think that in terms of what I run into again and again is people feel like they have to do one thing or this or that and it may not be a good fit for them and they feel like they can't do anything with marketing because that thing it, they they don't want to do it. And I guess that the, what I communicate to people over and over again is that it's not important to do what everybody else says. <laughs> it's more important to do the thing that fits in with who you are as a person. Like the man who could just go talk to anybody, I mean, he could sell to anyone and in person and make tremendous sales And there are a lot of people in this world who can't do that. So do that thing you're super good at. And then for the people who think that they have to have a Facebook group, for example, like you don't have to do anything that you don't want to do. You have to do some things that make the most sense and be where your people are. And for a lot of people that is actually not a Facebook group. It's something else. It's something else. And I guess that the moral of the whole story is you have to be careful about the information that you listen to, and you have to be careful about the guidance that you take and about what you view as being absolute when it comes to marketing your business, because there are no absolutes. Fundamentally marketing is how you get the word out about something. So find what works. And then if it stops working, <laughs> then you may have to make some adjustments. But I talked to a lot of people who haven't even tried anything and they are in this this fearful spot where they don't want to do anything because they don't want to do the one thing that everybody's telling them they have to do.
2: Mm-hmm. Shirley?
1: Well, it is important to be true to your vision. And um, once you've made those decisions, those business decisions, of what is your offer and who is your target audience that you stick with them. Even when opportunities come up, like we had this morning, we had an opportunity to do something that was, uh, it was kind of something we could do and it sounded like fun, but it had all these components in there that were not a part of our business model that we would have had to gone way outside of our comfort zone to do. So at that point we're like, no, this isn't us. Uh, this is not a good opportunity for us. And we just need to be able to, If I think the, the more clarity we have, the more easily we can discern what's right for us and what's not. Uh, we've defined our offer. We've defined our target audience. We've defined who we are and what we do and why we do it. And it's not a good idea to try to go outside of that at this point.
2: What What made it even more difficult <clears throat> is this came from a past client, somebody mm-hmm. that's right now a strong prospect uh, as she gets through this period. And it, it was, it was, and as Shelly said, she might've met her objectives, but it wouldn't have helped us grow ourselves or our business. And so uh, it was hard to say know because of the sense that she is a, a prospective client for our, our um, streaming and content distribution services. But it was a good decision in the sense, as Shelly said, it, it doesn't help us any. We'd be doing, we get paid for doing a favor for a friend, basically, is what it would boil down to. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and
3: I. I posted something about this on Twitter. It was a retweet, actually. I can't take credit for it. But it was like most of marketing is not deciding you need to change everything all the time.
0: Uh-huh.
3: you know, yeah. and and I think that that also flows into your business. Most of owning a business is you know, there are all these people who say, oh, you have to say yes to everything for a year. And it's like, no, it's actually that you have to know what to say yes to. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> because otherwise if you you get so far off mission on all these vanity projects it it doesn't help you
0: uh-huh. you, yeah, you
3: there just would be- end up drifting into the you know the ocean
1: uh-huh. and and then you're not in charge other people who come to you with offers in, and opportunities that may not fit you they're in charge uh-huh. so that's not a good way to go <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah so
1: all right. Let's talk more about websites. How does a website affect marketing success?
3: So the thing about a website, it's it's kind of twofold, right? On the one hand, it's a place that you own, and it's, so it's not susceptible to all of the algorithms that are out there on social media. It's not something that is going to change unless you change it. It's a landing spot for everything and that was one of the things i i spoke to a client last night who didn't have a website and i was like well you don't have a website right (laughs) and he's like well i have i have a link tree and i'm like well that's not really the same thing so having a website affects your marketing success because it's a place where you can clearly define your mission it's a landing spot where you can put all of the goodies about about yourself it can become a detriment your website (laughs) if you make it into a uh, scavenger hunt, meaning people have to hunt everywhere to find things. You have to realize that your website has to be an, a reflection of the customer experience, not a reflection of your internal organization. Uh, meaning, you can't use a lot of jargon. You can't like get people lost. <laughs> you know, it's not a scavenger hunt. They're not going to like. You know, you guys know you've done like real scavenger hunts. Like that's not how a website works. People don't want to like go and dig and dig and dig to see if you're gonna help them or what it is that you do. It's a treasure hunt. And what that means is every page has a treasure. It's what you want them to do. And you make it extremely clear for people because you only have about three seconds. So it really does affect marketing success because it's that place where you can always send people back to, hey, I had a new podcast episode. Go here. Oh, I have a new blog post. Here, go here. Oh, you're not sure what I do? Here. Here's my services page. Like these are really good places where you can really send people so that you're not reliant on, you know, a Facebook page or, you know, anything else out there that you have because you get to control the dialogue and the message. And there's typically not a lot of ads or distractions that are taking you away from the core message that you have.
2: So uh, same question, but in this case, (laughs) uh, we get a lot of people who come to us as a result of pressure from the people that they know about their position in social uh, media. So uh, again, uh, what is the importance for an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, what is the importance of social media and how can they best use it?
3: So when I work with a brand new business, the guidance that we have is set up your profiles everywhere and then send people to where you are most active. And what that means is set up that Twitter account and then tell people, thank you for finding me on Twitter. I'm most active on LinkedIn or I'm most active on Instagram or whatever that is. And you give them a link to that. The reason you claim all of that space is twofold. One, you want to make sure that you have taken advantage of all the places where you can have a brief business description and your website. Uh So people can find you kind of expands that digital footprint. Two, and this isn't true in all business sectors, uh, but it is, it does happen in some, it prevents other people from claiming that space and taking it from you. So you want to have all of, all of the things claimed, you know, your, your Google business profile, Yelp. Uh, all of the social media platforms if you're in weddings uh, you know have not you know if you're in design you know get you know there's so many different platforms that are industry specific claim your space in all of those places and then find the place only one to two social media places where you are the most active and coincidentally it's best if it's the places where your customers are it doesn't matter if you like Facebook or not if that's where your customers are (laughs) You gotta be there, like and and be active there. So it can really help you with your marketing. The reason it helps you with your marketing to be more successful is what we're finding now, and this is something that has really exploded, especially since COVID, is people are looking at you, they're looking at reviews, they're looking at your website, and then they want to engage with you on social. Uh, Sometimes it's whether or not they want to be a customer, they want to learn about your products, they want to know how you do you (laughs) when, you know, when maybe nobody else is looking, but it's also a place for customer service. And so people sometimes reach out on social media. So it's important to be there so that people, all of these really add up to business legitimacy. You know, it's one of those other key factors is you just show up everywhere, but you're only active in certain places so that it's legitimate. But then it's also the customer service part which is that our customers now have expectations around being able to reach out to us, not just on a website, but also on social media.
1: And that's true. And I was talking with uh, my husband about that earlier this week, that uh, while we were standing in line at our local Smith's grocery store, uh, I was a little disappointed in how slow it was going we were standing in line, long lines, and there were not very many uh, lanes open. So I was on my Smith's app on my phone. And there's a place to send them a message. And I sent them a message that please hire more cashiers because these lines are too long and too slow. And um, (laughs) I believe now I didn't answer I didn't answer the phone, but I got a call right away from Cincinnati. And I'm like whoa that i bet that was kroger (laughs) i didn't think about it until later that i I should have probably answered that and talked to kroger but uh and he said the same thing goes for um southwest airlines if they they scan social media constantly and if anybody's having an issue and they're still even at the airport and this is going on and i'm you know my flight this that they will call you or or if you're tweeting they'll tweet back at you they will immediately uh, reach out to have that customer service, a uh, conversation with you, to see what they can do to make things better. They're very cognizant yeah. of social media and we as small business owners need to, you know, do as much as we can to, to, to step that up as well.
3: Absolutely. And, and I know people out there are probably thinking, oh, this sounds really overwhelming. Like I don't want to do all of that. It doesn't happen that often. It really doesn't. I've been in business for several years and, you know, most of the time if it's a client and you work in service, they they know how to reach you (laughs) like in the work that I do and they just reach out directly. They have my phone number, they have my email. It's bigger companies that get like blasted on Twitter and Mm -hmm. like you're talking about Uh for small businesses. It can be a lot around like, Hey, I saw this video how can you help me it's a lot more lead generation that you can get from social media and that's especially if you provide a lot of service in what you're sharing on social media it can't just be all about yourself it's about community about commenting on other people's things and then from that they get to know you and they'll people will reach out
2: so um did, did you just ask the email question? Was no, no never... nobody asked me the email question.
3: <laughs> okay.
2: Well, let's
1: stopped. get there now. <laughs> How can we use email marketing most effectively?
3: This is, it's one of the top five things that you can be doing in your business. A lot of a lot of people are saying email marketing is dead. Don't believe them. Email marketing is a big deal and it can really help you. So remember how we were talking about the website is like one place for your captive audience, meaning you own it, Uh. you know, make sure that you have opportunities for people to opt in because that's the other place (laughs) where you really own that space and you can control the messages that you send out. If people opt in, it means they want to hear from you. So be sure that you, uh, share of yourself, uh, on email marketing and, full disclosure i have not been emailing as often as i need to because it really does help with like staying top of mind it really helps with people understanding what it is that you're doing uh how you're helping the community and different things like that um and it really is again it's not it doesn't even have to be expensive a lot of email services are free so you can even just get started and add something to your website onto your Facebook page or anything like that, and make sure that people have an opportunity to subscribe and hear from you.
2: So um, there was a period in time where the phrase content is king was used by people like me uh, to tell clients why they should be creating content. But the simple fact of the matter is, I'm not sure that has changed enough so that we can't say it. Um, So in, in what ways are content creation and distribution important to uh, an entrepreneur's marketing success?
3: You know, this is really interesting because one of the things that has reemerged, and I was like, did this ever really go away? I don't know. One of the things that has reemerged is the importance of SEO. Like it kind of fell off everybody's radar for a while. And then now when you talk about what's happening with digital marketing now all of a sudden people are like oh and seo is really important again and i was like did it stop being important it never did so it's fundamental and the reason why content creation is fundamental is because content is typically until google catches up all the way is typically words and then audio and video although google is catching up and getting better about being able to make video searchable, get that content in a way that, that they know what it is that you're talking about and they can direct people there. The whole point of creating content is to answer common customer questions over and over again, because it takes so many touch points for somebody to come and work with you. And it's also so that you can drive traffic among people who don't know you to get there. Mm-hmm. And it's also really important because you can create a lot of content and it's not really costing you anything. You know, it's when you start to do things like streamyard, well you can even do streamyard and it can be free. You know, it this is something that doesn't take a lot of money, it does take time.
1: Uh-huh.
3: But that time will pay off and that's why it's really important because this This is creating right now for you, like social media posts, this interview is creating social media posts. You're Mm going to make a book out of it. Probably. And you're going to like, you know, you're going to get a lot of mileage out of this time that we're spending together. And it's not really costing anyone, anything except for time, you know? So the main thing about creating a lot of content is making sure that you've built in the time and the infrastructure to manage it well. Um, But creating content always pays off and in part of the marketing success because you're giving people the information that they need to make a decision about you.
2: So I do want to add a couple of points to what Jen said. Um, If it looks like we're taking advantage of having Jen on the show, she's giving us her time and her sharing her expertise. What does she get out of it? One of the things that she gets out of it is at the end of this show, she'll get links to both uh, video casts and audio casts that she has the freedom to use in promoting herself. So, if people want to know more about Jen, they can go to this video and kind of learn what she's all about just by listening uh, to this conversation. Uh, the second thing I wanted to point out is Jen made a very important point about how Google and other search index uh, search engines index words one of the important things that we try to remind our clients of is the value of a good title, a good description, because you have up to 4,000 characters to make that description and a set of tags that work for that. So when we post this, when this becomes a video rather than a live stream, we'll have a complete title, a complete description and a complete set of tags that go along with it. So Google, even though it's video and they are getting better at, learning to index video and audio based on on the content of the video and the audio. But what they count on is that you've written a credible title, a credible description, and are using credible tags to describe that video. And that helps in your search engine findings. So when you go to look for uh, Jen McFarland, eventually you'll see this video in her uh, Google listing because her name will be in the title description and tags.
3: absolutely and you know and then take advantage of things like closed captioning if you want you can make a transcript and add it you know and and as guests we are also getting exposed to new audiences you know people that i don't know Uh so what i get out of it is talking to somebody new answering questions it it is exposure to another audience and it, it is like a good exchange of time you know it is it is very useful that's why that's why for my podcast i never stopped getting people who wanted to be interviewed and i'm like i haven't had a show mm-hmm. in a year <laughs> like yeah. you know and then now that shelly and i brought it back it's like oh my gosh like i mean i get so many requests to be on the show uh, because everybody knows they can be exposed to somebody somebody else's audience they're going to get a blog post they're going to get you know <laughs> all different kinds of information and that's kind of how with content creation, that's why you always see these kind of content creation communities popping up because it is something where you can actually learn other learn about other people and share a lot of information that is useful to everybody.
2: I agree. Yeah. Shelly. With
1: uh the last couple of years of a lot of events being canceled. And, uh, I know that you go out and speak and I know some of that's been curtailed. So you have experienced this as well. So what are the best alternatives to face-to-face networking and other events?
3: You know, I I've since, uh, stopped doing it, but I helped to like organize and, and create, Uh, something called Nationwide Networking, where we were using Meetup and having online networking. That group is still active. Uh, I also have organized uh, co-working times where Just have an event and people can come and talk about what it is that they're working on and what it is that they do. So, there are all different kinds of like online communities that have sprung up as a result of no face to face networking. (laughs) As somebody who can help people who live anywhere, I love it because I can keep meeting people and doing things and kind of pop into like different events. Um, You know, a lot is moving into the online space and I don't know how much of it is going to go back. I mean, certainly some of it. We'll go back to being in person because um, like we have some events here in Portland, Oregon that are just amazing and they're not going to stop, <laughs> you know, being in person because it's much better in person and they haven't been able to revive it in the online space. But I think there's just a lot of places where you can go and meet other people online. I mean, isn't, isn't that what you go, you've done as well?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, I've been doing a lot more lately. Uh, There seems to be a lot more opportunities popping up for quick networking. And uh, people are getting very practiced at uh, those breakout rooms so that, you know, you can uh, join a meeting and then go into smaller breakout rooms and have those conversations and then come back to the main meeting. So it's getting uh, more and more accepted and, uh, everybody's getting more practiced at it. So yeah, it's definitely a way to go.
3: Totally. I did. Um, <laughs> we did have that, uh, networking meeting where, you know, so getting practiced at zoom and everything, we had zoom bombers come into one of our networking events and, uh, some, like I, I did a video about it cause I just couldn't believe that it was still happening after, you know, a year and a half of the pandemic. And, <laughs> but they come in so you have to be really savvy with like how you manage the tools because we had like 60 people networking many of whom we didn't know and all of a sudden these people are crashing mm-hmm. in and like sharing videos and all kinds of stuff <laughs> and like co-host whose zoom account it was on didn't have it locked down the way that mm-hmm. i do so other people couldn't share screens and it was pretty awful for about like three minutes. And then Mm. I was like, wait, I have admin rights. And I just went in and like, you know, deleted everybody. So it's not easy to, if you're running the networking event, but it's super easy to join and engage and meet really awesome people. I've met so many cool people through, throughout the pandemic.
2: And I think it's good because people are becoming more astute at using products like zoom or in our case StreamYard. Uh, They're improving their, uh, audio capabilities, their video capabilities, their lighting—they're improving their lighting, so everybody looks really, really good. Uh, what I've noticed, uh, though, is if you're an introvert at a live networking meeting, you're going to be an introvert at a Zoom networking meeting as well. So, <laughs> us extroverts have. But it's easier there.
1: when you get to do the breakout rooms. You don't have to try to break into large conversations. You, you're and you're given those prompts. So mm-hmm. they, they expect you to go in there and have a conversation. So mm-hmm. it's it's more natural at
2: that point. It's a lot of fun. I am, I enjoy oh, yeah. it. Yeah. So you probably like remember a, a period in time where people would say, how do I get more media coverage? Like, how do I get articles and case studies and those things written about me? And I think the difference is, am I pushing you out of the scene? Just, that's okay. Go
1: ahead. No, I Don't, I don't to. let me
2: interrupt. uh, <laughs> um, uh <laughs> So that people would, uh, so we get people now who are kind of asking the same thing. How do I get more, uh, not social media coverage, but media coverage? Um, You know, what do you recommend when they start asking for that kinds of things? Or is there an alternative? Is media coverage as important as it used to be in the analog age?
3: I mean, it depends on what industry you're in and who you help you know, if you have a new product, certainly it, it just can't hurt if it's in the New York Times. I mean, <laughs> you know, like that—that yeah. that doesn't hurt anything. So, and for small businesses who don't have like a budget to hire a PR person, there's always tools like help a reporter out where you can go. And I don't know if you've heard of, of Haro or not, but uh-huh. they—you see all the story pitches, and you can pitch. I've I've landed in a couple places with that. Um, You know, I recently was uh, filmed as part of a documentary, but that was because of a blog post. And so I would say, too, like you can attract media attention that you don't expect because of if you create good content and you take a stand on something. That blog post in particular was me uh, taking a controversial stand on (laughs) a a a piece of software called ClickFunnels. And it drew attention to, for me to be kind of the, I don't know, they said the voice of reason, but it's really just offering an alternative opinion. So you can end up without really a lot of effort getting into news media. um But I mean, my gosh, there are so many places now, if you're a local business, like make sure that you you know, talk to your local media people and see about getting interviewed, see about like, get, you know, reach out, do some press releases. These are not very hard and you'd be surprised at like what you get in return. Uh Now, if they do interview you or you do get coverage, do everything that you can to try and get a link back to your website because really the purpose is to make sure that people can still reach out to you and find you. So uh, it's really important um, to really, if you wanna work on that, I really feel that PR is a little bit more advanced um, because typically it requires some sort of budget if you wanna do it super well, Um, but it doesn't doesn't have to be.
2: (laughs) Uh And it also seems to be meant for the larger organizations who have a staff, that mm-hmm. focuses on uh, public and media relations. So yeah, for a, for a solopreneur, it may not be as important. Shall I?
1: This next question, I put in our list of questions because of Jen. And I ask everybody this question, but I think I'm excited to hear Jen's answer <laughs> most of all. <laughs> so what marketing functions can we automate and how do we do that?
3: Wow. There are, the question really isn't, you know, what can we automate? It's what, <laughs> what can't we automate and what it, it all depends on your budget and what it is that you have. Cause anything is possible. What I will say is this, you don't automate for the sake of automation. You don't automate the things that are actually better as a human, because there are some things that it, the human touch really matters. The things that you automate, the functions that you automate are the, the mundane. You automate the things where you are having to type in things (laughs) that don't make any sense. The first, the low hanging fruit in any organization is are you putting information in multiple places manually? And if you are, then that's the first opportunity to build out um, an integration. So an example of that is um, I know a lot of people who at least before COVID would do pop-ups. Pop-up events and they would go. They'd have a piece of paper on the table for people to sign up for a subscription, like MailChimp or whatever. You get that sheet of paper back. You say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it in MailChimp when I have time. <laughs> it sits around for a long time. Maybe you lose the sheet, or maybe you go back to read it and you can't read anybody's handwriting. So the whole exercise is kind of lost. MailChimp as an example, and there are other Platforms that do this as well. MailChimp has something called MailChimp Subscribe. So if you have a tablet, you can have that at the table and say, Would you like to join my email list? And they can put it in themselves. (laughs) And guess what? You don't have to do any work then, you know? And then if you have something like a client customer relationship management platform, so that's a place where you track customers and you keep keep track of all the people that you have touch points with, then you automate the connection between MailChimp and that software so that then you're not having to type in the person's name. You have a record of it automatically. The same thing is true if you have like customers that you invoice out of QuickBooks, why not send them over to your email platform? We do things all the time over and over and over again. We need to find the ways that we can leverage that so that we don't have all these tasks sitting around that we never get back to and those are the those are the big things that we can automate how do we do it for me a lot of times it's about selecting the the tools that are going to talk to each other so before you add something new find out if it's going to talk to the other things that you're already using you know it doesn't make any sense if if you can't have to like do something manual just because something is a slick tool you know, find the things that talk to one another and add something else that's gonna make your life easier. So just because something has a lot of bells and whistles, it's not actually making your life easier if you have to put in a lot of work just to make it happen each and every time. So automation, it, it doesn't have to be difficult. It just means that you have to have a little bit of focus um, and uh, attention to your broader goals. You know, I mentioned that earlier. So automation should always support whatever it is that's mission critical in your business to make it easier to deliver on that mission.
2: So one of the things that hasn't changed for me, in the in although I've been working a lot longer, I made a transition into uh, marketing consultancy back in the 90s. And one of the things that hasn't changed from that period to today is that one of the first questions I get from our clients is, how, how am I going to generate leads that always seems to be you know one of the important things not and and they know that things have changed about it they're not even sure how a lead is defined anymore uh but it's still a question on their mind so when when one of your clients asks you how am i going to generate more leads uh, what do you say to them
3: in it- It depends, it depends on the industry. I hate answering with like, no, 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 I, I, Uh, I, you know, but how people generate leads, it does depend on the industry. It also depends on what's working now. It's amazing to me how many people haven't really explored word of mouth marketing all the way. Like one of the, one of the strongest ways you don't even need. A a marketing consultant, if you for a while, it's very low tech, very easy to talk to all of your friends and get people excited about what it is that you do as your first way to generate leads. Um, You know, you can also generate leads with opt ins and freebies. So, you know, giving people a taste of what it would be like to work with you that's reasonable and letting them download it. Um, and then you can't just do that and then drop off. <laughs> it's about extending the conversation after that and following up with people. Uh, a lot of people fail to follow up with other people. So you may have an interesting conversation and then you're not, you don't have no methodology or automation or anything around follow-ups. So a lot of people, Lose leads. They have hot leads, <laughs> and they're not following up. And then they're like, "Well, why don't I have any leads?" <laughs> and it's like, "Well, you did, <laughs> but you weren't following up on them." So then the other steps around, uh, you know, attracting more leads. It could be it, it. It really does depend on the industry. You could do a lot with pay per click advertising. You could do some things on social media that help you attract leads. Uh, there are some people who have a large following and they just have to say, you know, comment below. <laughs> and they've got, you know, all kinds of leads from people who want to hear hear more. Uh, the one thing that I don't recommend is sliding into everybody's direct messages um, and and pushing something. Uh, our consumers have gotten incredibly wise <laughs> and they don't want to hear about it like that. That's why it's so important to get people on your email list and get people engaging with you on a one-to-one level in a way that they have opted into and that they really want Uh, i would say something to not do in addition to the direct messaging is you know don't buy a list don't buy an email list uh, because people really treasure (laughs) their email address (laughs) and uh, that's a quick way to get you know trash to spam and then it affects delivery rates for everybody else on your list. So it is some it's another one of the pieces that doesn't happen overnight. You know, I've reached a point in my business where now I, I get a lot of referral business. I have so many return clients. I, I mean it's it's becoming easier and easier to work and sustain without having to hustle (laughs) all the time. And so one of the things to do is to to find what works for you. I find that for me going out and speaking to groups is incredibly effective because I don't need everybody. I just need a handful of people. And for some people they like my brand of how I talk about things and what I do. Um, And there are a lot of people who don't and I say, God bless, <laughs> go with God. I don't need everybody. And, and that's that's the way that you have to look at it. it it's kind of a, a thing that is very, uh, people expect leads in droves. Um, make sure that you have a system in place that you can manage and follow through on.
2: What do you think, as long as we're on the topic of lead generation, what do you think about advertising on some of the social media platforms like like Facebook?
3: I mean, it can be incredibly effective. I have a lot of the Facebook followers I have on my page are due to brand awareness campaigns that I've run. Uh, I'm thinking about running some things for the podcast now because it's a great way to grow uh, to grow listenership uh, for a podcast. Uh, and for some businesses, it can be really effective in lead generation. Heck, it can even be effective depending on the product and just making a sale, like outright. Oh. It doesn't even necessarily have to be a touch point. You know, there've there've been a lot of people who are making micro offers, and they're like, and we've done it. We've done uh, small offers that we have on AppSumo. We've done small, different small offers that are really we're using them not so much to make money, but to do like some list building so that then when we offer more expensive courses, we've already got people in the fold who've taken a course who are like, oh yeah, I could pay for for this because I already know what I'm getting. So it can be incredibly, incredibly effective. The key with like Facebook ads or any social media ads is any of them really pay-per-click, but it's around the targeting you know making sure that you have things set up on your website and then you have you know the pixel and you can retarget people you're choosing the right keywords and also excluding the right people (laughs) so that you're not just blowing through a budget and getting in front of people that really aren't engaged with what it is that you do Uh, but once you have like those audiences set up they can be tremendously effective
1: all right.
2: Thank you. I feel well, like we should be using it more. I'm yeah. sorry. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. And uh, that's attracting leads, but let's get into the converting of those leads and your experience. What works best for converting suspects to prospects and then into clients?
3: Yeah. So I would say again, this is not a, a one size fits all formula for people, you know, but when we think about a funnel, like a sales funnel, which is basically what this, this question is all about, um, and for those of you who don't know what a sales funnel is, it's basically how do you get a lot of people interested so that you can basically get down to the one to two clients that you're going to have coming out the bottom of the funnel. I had a client once who joked and said, I don't want a sales funnel. I want a pipe meaning that like all the people come into the top and they come in and their <laughs> clients at the bottom. That's generally not how it works. And it's because you might come into contact with a ton of people. And for some people they're like, that's nice. It's not for me, <laughs> you know, and really effective marketing always will attract the right people. And it also deflects the people who aren't a good match. You know uh, my business is called women conquer business that really is not attractive to some people. And I've had people get in my face about it. I'm like, okay. And like, after I get over the discomfort of that, um, then I'm like, it's effective because, you know, I'm, I'm not for that person. And, you know, we got to that a lot quicker. So an effective funnel is really about both. It's about attracting the right people. And it's about, you know, having other people decide that you're not for them. So If you're thinking, well, I don't even know, this is all very confusing. It's like, how do you get customers now? (laughs) That's really your first funnel. (laughs) How are you getting customers now? How do people learn about you? How do you engage with them in a way that gets them interested in what it is that you do so that they sign up, you know, for a lot of people, it's like a traditional funnel would be like, I met someone at a networking event. I followed up with them. Maybe we had a consult (laughs) and they signed up. Like that's fundamentally, that's what a, what a funnel is. for me personally the the best way for me to convert is to to meet with someone myself (laughs) and that's how we feel each other out like we decide you know it's like an interview process um because i don't want to work with everybody either and you have to really honor that part of it so but for some people like converting if you have like a low cost product you may not actually have to ever get in front of anybody then it's about like how are you conveying the value and what you're offering in a way that's irresistible to your customers. You know, how are you using content and video and really sharing with people the value of what it is that you do? And then are you delivering the goods? Because part of that type of funnel where you're doing it all online is then you're relying on people saying that's really cool and telling other people about how cool it is so that you're not just You know churning you know i mean that's that's one of the things the churn is like you get people and they never come back uh you don't want a lot of that you want a lot of people who are like no i want more of that (laughs) because that's how you're gonna that Uh recurring income is how you're gonna make your money and so all of these kind of factors have to play in when you as a business owner are working with somebody like me and asking about conversions like i want to know how you've been doing it now that's why before i work with people i want you to have some clients And then will you talk about how to maybe translate that into the online space, or we talk about how to get you even more of those. That's a lot of how all of this works in terms of converting. It's different for everybody. And there are some things that are really massively effective. You know, I I have, I don't know if you've noticed, I have a lot of personality. (laughs) So I, I can convert people because I get really excited, genuinely excited about what other people have going on and that can lead to a lot of sales.
2: Now, I I would like to point out though that you claim you're an introvert. Is that right?
3: Yeah, but I know you.
2: Uh,
3: uh. Yeah, but even when you
1: didn't, (laughs) the first time we met, you were still very chatty, uh, bubbly and chatty and uh, and uh, shared a lot of information.
2: I would like to mention this is uh, the third time uh, excluding the fact that you guys are doing a show every week, this is the third time that we've interviewed Jen on this isn't? show. Yeah, um, and well, then fourth actually. Fourth actually. If you count the and I got to tell you, uh, every time I leave one of our conversations with Jen, I have a page full of notes of things that I have to further research to improve, <laughs> you know, my knowledge That's of true. digital marketing because she's so and she always gives
1: tips that are actionable. Always stuff that you can go, oh, let me go do that right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Amazing. Thank you. uh, That's why we keep having her back. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us your most important takeaway, tactic, or advice for small business owners, and then we'll get into where people can find you on the internet.
3: Uh, I really think that it has to, I think a lot of people forget that nobody knows your business as well as you. So when you're going to bring somebody in, like a marketing person or someone to help you, whether it's sales or marketing or any other part of your business, get really grounded and firm on what it is that you do. And then you're more prepared for that conversation. Don't just start with uh, all of the things that you've heard from other people. (laughs) Start with what it is that you know and what it is that you've decided that you need. And the good people will understand you. They can decode Uh, you know, whether it's marketing or sales or whatever. Um, But I think that that's really where the gold is. The more you know about who you are and what you want and where you're taking your business, the better off you're going to be as you make new steps and new inroads into any aspect of your business.
2: I think that's what made it so easy for us to say, uh no to our friend and client <laughs> that offer. to yeah, yeah that's
1: not what we're that's doing anymore we're doing. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so let's uh tell us where our viewers and listeners can find you on the internet and if you have any free gifties for them
3: Wow. I feel like I'm everywheres so on the interwebs. <laughs> uh, so you can find me at womenconquerbiz.com. Uh, in terms of the freebie, it's women, womenconquerbiz.com slash high. And that'll give you like links to my social. It is also the free opt-in is about growth hacking, which is about how to really make change in your organization a lot quicker. Um, and that also gets you access to... Um, my entire marketing automation station, (laughs) which is like a a series of like eight different uh, tools that'll help you with your business. And then it also has the latest podcast episode and and a few of my favorite blog posts that I've written. So that's a really good place for you to kind of see and learn a little bit more of me about me. Uh, The other place where you can find me is on um, Epiphany Courses. We're working on pushing out some even more courses right now. The latest one should be dropping here in the next, you know, week or so. Um, and that's my other business that's focused on online business courses. Very excited about that. And um, and again, it's about having short and sensible online business courses uh, because I know business leaders. You you don't have time for that. You don't have time for like sixteen modules in 12 hours this is about helping you make better decisions in your business quicker um and then i'm really active on linkedin i hate to admit it but i'm also active on twitter <laughs> i like twitter a lot and uh so yeah you can find me jen mcfarland just about anywhere
2: excellent so i have posted those uh three web sites or web pages Uh, in the chat room, and they will be included in the description box of the um, video um, as well as the uh, podcast.
1: That's right. So uh, that's all we have for questions for Jen today. We do want to let you know that Jen and I have a show tomorrow morning, and uh, that's at 11 o'clock Mountain Standard Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time, and we're going to be talking about what, Jen?
3: information overload and, Mm. and why you should start marketing anyway.
1: Yep. Weeding through the weeds. That's right. Weeding through the weeds. And what else?
2: Uh, I just have a last pitch to make as usual. Let me just make this real quickly. Uh, So uh, if you are interested in being a guest as a digital marketing expert, uh, on our program. I'm going to put a link in the uh, chat room as well as a link uh, in the description box for the product below. And uh, you can go here on our website and register as a guest, and we'll reach back out to you and schedule a date with you. So please, we look forward to having the same kind of conversation with you that we have had with Jen. And
1: that's livecast.life slash guests. For those of you who are listening to the podcast.
3: Okay. So in Chandra.
1: Awesome. Well, that's all we have for today. We really appreciate you, Jen, for being with us again and sharing all your uh, knowledge and expertise with us, and uh, reaching out to our audience. I see we have a comment. Is there anything we can answer before we Let go? I want to make
2: sure it isn't just it's a, just you. Yeah, it was just me. All right. Sorry.
1: <laughs> I encourage everybody to reach out, uh, check in with Jen if you have any questions about. Um, especially if you have questions about, you you know, things that aren't working software-wise, this is broken or this doesn't work. And I had, you know, I need to have some kind of a streamlined flow to my work. Jen is excellent with that and she can give you all kinds of tips. So make sure you uh, check out her website, womenconquerbiz.com. Thank you
2: so much
3: for having me. This has been great. Our pleasure. Yeah. Thank
2: you for joining us. Thank you for uh, agreeing to be with us again, and agreeing to be in another book eventually. So um, <laughs> we're glad that you do that, because as I said, uh, uh, the conversations we have to you are with you are always some of the most informative that I've I've had, especially during this period when you get, you don't get to meet uh, as many people
0: as you used to back in the olden days. So olden days. All
1: right.
0: All right. All
1: right bye for now. We'll see you next week.
0: Thank you for joining Messages and Methods Livecast Life 2.0 hosted by Shelley Carney and Toby Eunice. Please subscribe and leave a comment or question and we'll consider your ideas for future shows. Share this podcast with your family and friends so they can learn about current digital marketing practices too. Check the show notes for links and resources and please come back again next week.